0: Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi today. We are going to be learning B'Shalach Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Pasha's B'Shalach. And this is really the moment we've all been waiting for. This is about the splitting of the sea. It is 11 Psukim long, running from Perik Yud Dalet Psuk Tesvov to... Hey, let's try to understand what the actual basic facts are, and then we will have a few points to ponder. So Hashem now intercedes. B'nai Israel called out to Hashem, they have complained to Moshe. Moshe Benu says, keep quiet, Hashem is going to save you. And now Hashem intercedes and says to Moshe, Why, Moshe, are you calling out to me? So tell B'nai Israel to stop crying, go, move. And you are going to stick out your staff in your hand over the sea. It will split. And Esau will go through the sea in the, the dry land. And I'm going to strengthen the heart of Pharaoh. And he's going to, with all of his chariots, he's going to follow Eew with, with his chariots. And that's the way it's it described. In the meantime, while this while Moshe Shaban has been given this, Hashem now moves um, the the cloud, which was in front of the na- nation of Israel, moved it behind them. And it se- separates the camp of Israel and the camp of the Egyptians. There's this darkness and cloud which now protects them. They're not able to to uh, approach one another all night. In the meantime Moshe Rabbein sticks out his hand over the sea and there's a very strong easterly wind which which blows all night and it splits the sea into dry land and B'nai Israel start walking through the sea. The, the walls are now made of the water on their right and their left and Egypt runs straight after them as they're able to and uh, As the morning starts dawning, Hashem looks down on the camp of Egypt and we hear about how He starts to confuse them and removes the wheels of their chariots, making their travel very, very difficult. And Hashem says to, uh, and Mitzrayim finally says, God is fighting on behalf of the Israelites, which is the message that we're supposed to get. Let's take a few basic points to ponder. Number one is... Why are they being told it is not time to pray? Isn't it always a time to pray? Why are they being told to act in this particular case? The Orachim HaKadosh says a very beautiful idea, and that is that right now they are undergoing a din. They are undergoing a judgment. The judgment is, as the midrash describes, that the sarah shall yom... The spiritual agent of the sea says, Why am I being asked to drown these people? Halale halale these are servants of Avodah These are servants of Avodah Meaning, the nation of Israel were in fact so involved and entrenched in Egyptian society, they really served the, the Egyptian deities. So why is it you're killing this group over that group? Does this one really more deserving than that? That being the case, <clears throat> the only way that they were to be able to, to have the opportunity of being mazaka of of being of succeeding in this judgment is action. Do something. Do something good in order to deserve getting out of here. And that's what the arachaim is it says. Hashem is telling Moshe. Now is not the time to cry out. Now is the time to do to change your 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 state of affairs. Now, did all the Israelites agree? The answer that Yerushalmi says is very firmly no. The term Yerushalmi in Tan is the second parent, halacha. It's also quoted in the Milchiel it Says that there were four different groups. One group said, layom, let us jump into the city." One says, le- that one says, let's, let's submit ourselves, and go back as slaves to Egypt." The other one says, Khamal, that one says, let's let's fight with them," and the other one says, "Netzaver we should pray." So we have very different ideas. Jump into the sea, action return to Egypt, submission, make a war, attrition, and tzaver, let's, let's, let's petition, let's pray to Hashem. These are four different groups which indicate the level of disunity. This explains the Meshachachmah a very important thing. Why is it that only now as we saw the, uh, the angel um, is castigating them. That both sides are servants of Varuzara. Why in Egypt was that on the case when there were so many plagues against the Egyptians and their plagues favored the Israelites and not and and did not. I'm hurt them while hurting the Egyptians. The Sarashal Mitzrayim, the agent of Egypt, said, halobde al-davad-azorav, halobde al-davad-azorav. They are both sides, serve pagan deities. The Meshachah says, because the first time the nation of Israel had disunity. Here they were fighting and bickering among themselves at such a point. That's when the Midas adin, That's when justice steps in. In Egypt, they yes, they had many problems, but they were at least had a semblance of unity. Therefore, they were they were." in a certain sense, protected from the impending din as well. Very powerful point to understand this. Now, well, I mean, let's take a step further. Why is it that Hashem says, if you look over here at the actual instructions, Hashem says to Moshe to stick out your staff and hold out your hand. But Moshe Rabbeinu only holds out his hand. He does not put out his staff over the sea. Why is that? So some of them say, well, he did. It's just if he sticks out his hand, it means that his hand was there with the staff. But the pashtus, the simplicity of the of the, the pasuk does not seem to be that way. It seems to omit the stuff. The high makedavra, Rabbi D'Artaditzi Berlin, explains in a very beautiful way that Hashem had intended two options as to how the sea could split. One is supernatural, and one is natural. Supernatural would be is that Hashem would would split the sea um, just without any other physical constraints, and uh, it would be triggered by somebody expressing an, an tremendous amount of mysterious nefesh, somebody jumping in. And if that's the case, it would be a supernatural miracle. That was represented by the staff, which was usually used in the Makos of Mitzrayim and set the trend for that. But if it was the hand, the hand would be indicated more of a natural splitting, perhaps a natural, the winds, the atmospheric pressure, the 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 gravity, the tectonic plates, all the other aspects we could say, and that would be if they don't deserve it. So Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'd like it to be supernatural, but you have the option of it being natural as well. Let's see what happens. Moshe Rabbeinu did not have the confidence in the people, and therefore he only stretched out his hand. He thought this would be a, a natural miracle. It is interesting that a little bit of both actually happened. 'Cause you look at the Gomorrah and the Gomoran leading to the Zion and Aleph, the Gomorrah tells us there in fact there were other arguments going on as well. And that is is that every there was in the group that wanted to jump into the sea, or perhaps once they heard the instructions of Hashem that they needed to travel, there were the different uh, different tribes which were, ju- were arguing with each other as to who should go first. And Binyamin actually jumped into the sea first, according to the Gemara. And Yehuda started throwing rocks at them because they felt it was inappropriate that Binyamin went first. And the Gemara says, because Binyamin was so dedicated, has had so much mysterious Nefesh. That's why they had this chus of having the Beis Amidash in their territory. The, the Gemara then tells us the more famous version, which we, we know we, we know that, that it was that everybody was arguing, and while everybody was arguing, Naqshua and Binaminatah from Yehuda jumped into the sea and reached the area that they carried walking and wading in and it wasn't going down and until the point that he said that it reached his, his nostrils and he says um hashem save me because the water has reached my soul that the water has reached my soul, and at that point in time, the, uh, uh, that the the sea actually split. So two different versions as to what was actually going on, if what triggered it as well. So Moshe Rabbeinu perhaps does not have the confidence to think that they're going to deserve it, but it does seem that in the end of the day, they do deserve it. That's expressed in the staff versus the hand as well. Another question is which really is is very important to know is why are we told about this strong, easterly wind which blew all night. So it goes back to how we understand what really happened over here as well, coming back to the Netsivist point. There was a, a, um, an article um, written by Colin Humphreys, a physicist in Cambridge University, um, the author of the book The Miracles of Exodus, and he said, and his comment was, a miracle perhaps, great timing, certainly. Meaning to say he, he goes into a great long, lengthy explanation of how it could be under the right conditions that the, this, uh, the Red Sea could actually split. And in fact, there are Mifarashim who take that line as well. So al-Bag, Rav Hirsch say that really there's high pressure, the low pressure, the wind, the angle. All this led to a remarkable physical phenomenon as was predicted. What the miracle was was not how it happened. The miracle was that it happened when predicted. Meaning to say these kind of things can happen, yes, under unbelievable and unusual circumstances. But the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu says it's going to split now while the the Hebrews are on the banks of the... Of the the sea and it's going to provide refuge for them just in the right way that is the miracle everything aligning in the correct way yes it's fine to point out that you know 2700 years 2733 years ago you know a phenomenon X actually happened and it can happen again okay that's fantastic that's not a miracle that happens to be a natural phenomenon when Hashem tells a human being this is going to happen and it happens right then and we can explain how it happened that's fantastic but the reason why it's happening is because Hashem said it is and that's how we understand the miracle However, the Malbim disagrees with the Raul Bagh on this, and he disagrees in many other areas in the Torah, and he says it's a downright miracle. It's downright supernatural, meaning you don't have to explain how it fits into the context of physics. Hashem can wave physics. Hashem created physics, and he can wave it at certain times, and that's what he does in this particular case. So you, it's less about understanding this. If that's the case, if it's the Malbim's understanding, then why do we need to hear about the wind all night? The Ramban explains very simple. is because there are going to be many people who are going to who are, who are who are going to come throughout history. And in fact not just in history, but the Egyptians included themselves, who are gonna say, wait a second, this wasn't really so miraculous, this wasn't so so important and so powerful. And that's what's and and this gives this space because they say, Oh, it was just the wind. Ah, winds happen, winds come, winds go. Um, and it's gonna allow them to think that it is natural. Therefore it'll allow the Egyptians to jump into the sea and it'll allow people for many generations later on to say this wasn't really what such such a miracle it just happened to be the right the right place, at the right time. And that would allow people to therefore justify, rationalize away the significance, the religious import of this miracle, which Hashem provides, because Hashem needs to give human beings the free will. He needs to give them the free choice of making the right and the wrong decisions. So with this, we conclude the third Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful